Yo, yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the opening set. This is your boy, the voice of King Los, along with John Reyes, producer extraordinaire. Today's special guest, won't tell you yet because we got to do a little housekeeping first, following opening set podcast. Uh, kind of everywhere, you know, Instagram, uh, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Apple Music, Stitcher, Google, anywhere else you get uh, podcasts. Yeah, check out the show, comment, like it, give it five stars, tell your friends, word of mouth definitely does uh, does a lot of good. And today's guest is none other than our dude, Nick Bike. If you're a DJ, I guarantee you play his music. If you're not a DJ, you definitely dance to it. So beyond that, he's a touring DJ, an awesome producer, uh, kind of one of the reasons why we got in touch. And he's also, uh, you know, part of the awesome line of great Canadian DJs, such as, you know, Scratch Bastard, DJ Pump, of course, A-Track. He's definitely uh, on that caliber. And in this conversation, we talk about the joys of unexpected success. I know as a creative person, we spend, you know, hours and hours and weeks and days, you know, thinking about changing a song, how to make it better, uh, make it look better, make it, you know, whatever you be kind of mull over. And then it coming out and, you know, having less than awesome reception. Or you could do something, like it enough, not overthink it, put it out there and get, you know, this amazing, amazing success that you never would have thought of. Check it out. Just kind of funny because, like, I'll spend like two weeks on or three weeks on for like a remix and it'll do like shit all. And then, like, that edit took like 30 minutes. It was like 2 a.m. Uh-huh. on like a weeknight. You mean, are you talking about the Redbone edit? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then by the next morning, it already got like mad traction. Like, so you went to bed and when time you wake up, it had like thousands of plays already. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's pretty hard, dude. Yeah. So it was like, okay. Yeah, it just started getting plays in cool places and vibe you did to kind of the entrepreneur thing. Yeah, so it like was gone in a week and then I like paid for my wedding with it. Dude, which yeah. was pretty tight. Yeah, that's fucking, that's fucking very <laughs> so, tight, dude. Thank you. Also in this conversation, since we're talking with Nick Bike, we definitely talk about DJ edits and kind of the science of uh, arrangement and whatnot. Um, receiving mentorship, he talks about his mentorship from uh, Scratch Bastard as well, DJ Jazzy Jeff, and the kind of the work ethic that I talked about. Yeah, it does include a lot of time sitting in a studio and making awesome music, but that work ethic also connects to just doing research and doing your homework. He talks about his time on the internet, how many hours a day he'll go and spend and looking things to kind of become a, a better musician and a better appreciator of music. So, in the conversation, you know, and just kind of hearing him and talking to him and, and spending, you know, a lot of time with him. I notice he has this very free-flowing energy of creativity. A lot of us, again, will overthink things, and he just kind of goes out, does it, doesn't overthink it, and has had great success. And I think that's something all DJs we can do. That's something that is, you know, obviously great to have in life and help things go. And to learn more about our dude, Nick Bike, you can find him on Instagram, Mixcloud, Soundcloud. He has a show on Beat Junkie Radio, amongst other places. And I guarantee you, his edits are in your favorite DJ sets. So here we go. King Most, Nick Black, John Ray's opening set. All right, what is up, everybody? Entering the field of battle. Introduce yourself. Hello. Hello. Hello, what? Who are you? What's your name? My name is Nick Bike. Goddamn right you are. Nick Bike, everybody. Welcome. Yeah, air cannon, confetti guns, uh, like a someone in a mascot outfit jumping and slam dunking off a trampoline. Yo, welcome to the show. 
Um, Thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, you're out here. You've been out here for the past four days. Just whine. We've been, I've been whining and dining you, and we've been DJing and buying been. records and doing our thing. So welcome to uh, you know making some more time and hanging out with me for an hour. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, man. I mean, first of all, well, the first thing I think of is when I think of you, besides your uh, you know boyish good looks, is your work ethic, man. Your work ethic is insane i look up to it i'm inspired by it so props to you seriously thank you um we'll jump around the conversation how you got started all that stuff but for the for our fans i don't know nick bike i know him pretty much through edits you're making you know well why don't you describe what you're the editing and how how do you see it basically like geez like eight years ago i started making them it was just like i basically just didn't like how certain songs were arranged it just started with like cut and paste just for like my own DJ sets. And then I kind of started passing them around to friends and they were into them. And then I just, as I kind of learned more about like Ableton and doing different techniques, like read drums or things that like weren't really like remixes, but they're just like DJ tool type mm -hmm. shit. So I just kept making every month, just like doing whatever, whatever I really needed to do. Like I'd always have a, like a side crate when I was DJing be like, Oh, like I should, change this kind of thing and i just like end up with it like a folder of like 30 40 50 things of yeah. like, like a to-do list basically so then like afterwards i would just like sit down and knock try and knock out like three five ten a day kind of thing wow they're not like always complex things obviously but uh -huh. just like shit to add to the arsenal right, to the arsenal yeah, yeah, yeah to get through the night <laughs> get through five hours yeah. four hours of work yeah yeah, yeah. So a lot of them were like really really quick hitter type things so like club tools that were like a minute long kind of thing people were kind of like would make jokes about them and be like if you're not paying attention like the song will be over but kind of thing yeah well <laughs> that's you know for for folks listening that's really to make i guess again our job easier but really specifically is that they're just songs that are like really strong but they might be a little old so they don't have that same kind of like power or this production there's a lot of like build-ups and dips and just they kind of drag and i always wonder like why the fuck that producer like leave that this like 30 seconds of silence and exactly. then like it's a total mood killer it's a total vibe killer like yeah. that train in the background that you could that <laughs> isn't as audible as it is right now so we'll, we'll work that in later so yeah you're making these dj tools but it's the amount you put out and it's this wide range of quality. Like, do you have like a system? Like, okay, from I'm gonna wake up at eight o'clock. From like nine to twelve, I'm making edits. Or is, it's, you sound like you're like a machine. So I, I need to. I'm I'm kind of seeing it like that. Or how do you do it? I mean, it was all kind of based off what I was into at the time. Like, I was making a lot of Bloghouse DJ edits in like 2010, kind of thing. Yeah, cutting down like Errol Alkin re-edits type thing, or like Justice cut copy things yeah. like that, making them more dance friendly. Yeah, all in that realm. Uh -huh. And then uh, when I started playing more like pop clubs. It was like top 42 old type shit. I was still making the other edits, but then I was now making like commercial edits and that kind of thing. And then I started buying like funk and soul records and Motown stuff. So then I started making, like I would rip those or if I just had them on digital, then I'd be making edits for that kind of thing, for those kind of yeah, parties. Yeah, quantizing, so, like making the song fit like a certain BPM, make it easier for sure. You. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like arrangement was a little bit different than compared to like how pop music is arranged now. So I would kind of do the same thing I was doing always, just like making arrangement how I wanted it or just like cutting them down to like the hook or just like a verse and a hook kind of thing and having like, yeah, like a quantized section where you can kind of do some live blend shit without having to worry about your drummer going all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So when you hear a song now, are you is your mind automatically going to, okay, how can I edit this? Or you just kind of enjoy the song for what it is? Yeah, 
it's hard to like listen to a song normally. <laughs> and you're like, how can I put an A bar intro to this and make this better or easier from Yeah. So you yeah. It, it's kind of ruined you in a way. Or not ruined you, but it's 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 giving you like a different ear now. It's a different way to listen to music for sure. Okay. Well <laughs> that's actually <laughs> kind of what wow. Again, for you put out thirty or fifty a month sometimes and now they're they're like they're in a lot of people's hands now. Who are some of the DJs that have been playing your edits? I mean, Jeff has been playing a bunch of them. You like, mean Jazzy Jeff? Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> the Jazzy Jeff? Yeah. Okay. When I was at Playlist this year, I got in a day early, so I kind of got to talk with him a bit, and then I was able to, like, sift through his Serato. Uh-huh. So okay. I, did, I did, like, the quick search. Oh, you... Yeah. Wait, you, go, you, you, you Serato searched your I, own name like, in Jazzy Jeff's Ser- computer? I, like, Serato Googled my name. <laughs> and a lot came up? A few things in there. Wow, yeah. shit, dude. <laughs> That's yeah. actually so fucking tight, man. Yeah. Like to go into like a Legends computer and be like, you know, just the, you were a ballsy kid. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I would have done that, but it's okay. Like, it's like opening up someone's like, like medicine cabinet. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. I, yeah, I would say so. I guess that's a DJ version of being like a, a nosy, a nosy motherfucker just yeah. going through their stuff. Man. It's like going through someone's like web browser history almost yeah. in, in a little bit in a, in a weird way. Uh, you mentioned, you know, editing uh, like Motown, Soul and Funk. So I was thinking about this earlier because while we've been out here, I think we've like record shop like every day. You know? yeah. And, you know, you're a lot younger than your peers. So I, I kind of admire that, you know, because I think... Most people my age or around my age, older, younger, like our kind of introduction to that stuff is through samples or hearing mixtapes or, or whatever. And yours is maybe a little different. Have you always had kind of like different tastes growing up musically or, you, or has it always been? It, it didn't really like get good until I actually started like getting into DJing. It wasn't really like a music head by any means like before. Wait, so growing up you weren't into music at all then one day? Well, like, <laughs> like I played basketball in like high school and stuff. So I listened to like hip hop and stuff, but like I wasn't. Digging deep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like listening to like Outkast and Nas, that kind of thing. Okay. Like, I mean, I, that's, you know, pretty good. That's a but, gr- good entry. But yeah. I wasn't like listening to like, like Diamond D or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> and, but then, then you got into, yeah, yeah. I think that's also the fact that you can, you know, I guess I'm not saying it correctly, but yeah, the fact that you, for someone your age, you know a lot of older music, you know, music that of somebody that would be a different age. I respect that for you. So the like stepping stones from that was like listening to like French House first and then kind of figuring out that these records were coming from like disco records. So then listening to those like early eighties and seventies R and B and disco twelves and branching off like if certain artists making those records had records in like the sixties or something and then just kinda figuring that out. Or just like learning about like hip hop samples and that kind of thing. So like figuring out the sampling aspect and then learning that kind of music and then finding everything else around that world because yeah and just kind of going down the rabbit hole totally yeah a lot well, of late nights on youtube <laughs> yeah you know for a guy who makes like you know so much edits i'm not surprised you all spend a lot of time researching and connecting dots to other like eras of music yeah like, i'll spend like three or four hours a day just like going down to discogs what three or four hours a day and just like listening to shit to find out what's good because like if i'm out trying to look for records like if i don't really recognize or something like i'm not really going to pick through it probably because I'm trying to look for stuff that I'm looking for so trying to just like learn as much as I can because yeah so uh, the moment you wake up to about when you go to bed you're basically thinking music working on music researching music it's always in your head yeah is it (laughs) like I think that's that's awesome like I'm kind of astounded because I mean I guess my brain works like that too but I wouldn't give myself four hours a day sitting on discogs I'd well that's not that's not every day yeah but so no I commend that that's that's really dope and I was picturing you like hanging out like you know 
guys your age and you know someone like passing the ox chord and they're gonna play like you know Sheck West or something and you put on here's JVC Force everybody <laughs> like yeah what's this old man rap you like this very Benjamin Button-esque kind of like listening pattern I think I think it's very dope it's been dope to kind of see that firsthand and whatnot you know we're talking about your introduction to music I guess DJing is after you're like done being a jock basketball were you any good in basketball yeah I played a uh, provincial was, level so I, I'm, a, I'm a dumb American what's provincial okay, like I guess like state. Oh, okay. So we played nationals and Jesus, what year was it? 2015 or uh-huh. 2016. It was like under 17. Oh, okay. We just got demolished. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, you yourself, you're, you're pretty good. You're on a, a state, the yeah, state team. I was so, like yeah. a, like a winger, like a shooter. Oh, okay. So, oh shit. Look at yeah. this guy. Dude. <laughs> and then is that life like totally in the past? Or are you still kind of hoop it up? No, I, I try to make an effort to ball when I can. Really? I, yeah. Damn, dude. It's still there. You want to know something cool? You and Rich Verdina are the only basketball players I think we've had on this podcast. Really? Yeah. So you and him should... I would love to see you two guys play against each other. <laughs> yeah. He was at the retreat as well this year, and I saw him uh-huh. doing his thing. And you're like, what's up, dude? Like, yeah. That would, dude, that'd be really dope. It's like, you know, hit up one of your heroes and, like, dunk on him or something I'm like that. I'm pretty sure Rich could just, like, put a hand up and just, like, <laughs> push me away. Or... Now, that... So is there a connection between the discipline of, like, training for a team? Did that kind of spill over and carry on with the whole music discipline that you're sharing? Yes and no, but, but I kind of treat it as like I'm self-employed now. I'm my own business pretty much in a way. So like I did the day job thing when I was like trying to get serious about this DJing thing. I was like, I don't want to sit in an office kind of thing. So like I definitely treat the daytime. Those are my work hours. So I'm trying to like learn new shit and get better at stuff and make things. And because, yeah, I'm trying to do this for real. I'm try- yeah, I'm trying to like keep climbing the stairs i'm not trying to just like flatline so yeah yeah like always headroom to grow and make more noise and yeah yeah Yeah, i think it's really tight to hear this because like i feel in the past especially the past like two years like i've been seeing your career like really take these big jumps and like rightfully so because again all this like output you create and you know your level of talent um but it's really dope to see somebody have like a real genuine for lack of a better word, like passion about DJing. I think some DJs are guilty, me sometimes as well. We kind of get to a point where like, okay, I'm good. Like, you know, the money's coming in, the gigs are coming in. And I think, yeah, it, it does take, um, you got, yeah, that's like a philosophy. I, I rather, I want to adopt, you know, be hungry and practice again and yeah, all that stuff. Always so. thinking like, what's next? Yeah, yeah. And that's always a question I always ask guests here. I mean, are you, you're pretty convinced this is what you want to do for the rest of your life, DJing at this point? I don't know about the rest of my life. Okay. I mean, my like dream is to just like have a house in the country and just like be like mixing records for people in like my basement studio kind of thing. Like, <laughs> like if I could do that at 45 and not go to a nightclub for the rest of my life, I'd be, o- I'd be okay with that. Yeah. You're such an old man, dude, but you're not like, you're like, <laughs> yeah. Cause I think also in our time we've been hanging out, you're like, the last thing you said you want to do is go to a club or you had to spend the night with your wife cooking, yeah. drinking wine. Yeah. As to- yeah. Dude, you're like, so- <laughs> like who are you? Yeah, I think most people your age would be like, yeah, I'm trying to turn up, go to the club, go out, party. But yeah. you're you were never really that type of person to begin with. Like early 20s, I think everybody wanted yeah. to like go out and have fun, and uh-huh. but like I did that. Uh-huh. Like it's cool, but like going out is also like it's not cheap. If you're trying to like go out, go out, and plus like I got a wife now, and going out is like I want to like go out for a nice dinner or something, or like we'll 
go to a show. Or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. A real adult, adult shit. Real adult hours. Who's, yeah. <laughs> who's up early? <laughs> who's up early? Yeah, who's up early? Who's in bed early? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, a friend of mine, Herm, who checks out the show, he was saying that going to a club on your night off is like going to your office job on a Saturday. It's like, well, and I'm like, I, mean, I see some merit to that, but I really do enjoy still going out and, you know, totally. supporting your friends and yeah. checking things out. It's not saying like I won't ever go out to like check out a homie or something that's who's playing, but like, I'm not trying to just like go to a nightclub because like uh, I'm going to the nightclub. Yeah, I can't picture a nightclub like just standing yeah, there like, yeah. yo, you play the new Migos like offset? I, yeah. Yeah. Like I wasn't even really that guy to just go to a nightclub for the sake of going to a nightclub anyway. It was like, yeah. Because I wanted to like, watch DJs and listen to them and that's why you would go to clubs go to watch yeah. DJs yeah Dude, that's, yeah that's how I was for sure uh when I moved to Vancouver I didn't even really like know anyone that well so I I had to like not only to just go meet people but also just like see how everyone gets down and what people are doing and what works and mm -hmm. it was research it was this discog thing we were talking about it was a different yeah. form of that this constant evaluation and trying to get like a temperature of what's going on. Totally. You said move to Vancouver. So where, and you mentioned it, but I, I forgot already. Where you, you're not from Vancouver, but you're from no. what part of the Canada? I spent 10 years in Prince Edward Island. So it's like the Maritimes, little island tucked in above New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Uh, where is that? Because yeah. <laughs> again, yeah. Americans are very bad. Or maybe I'm just bad at geography. Say like East um, Central, whatever. No, it's like a third. I think it takes like 12 hours to drive to Boston from there. So. Oh, okay. So you're kind of there. And then from there, that's when you jet all the way across the nation to Vancouver? or Yeah. Okay. I'm originally from BC. Okay. But it's like way north, a little town called Fort St. John. It's okay. like five hours south of the Yukon. Damn, you're like out there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Frozen. Yeah. So was there, was like DJing or like, or even like hip hop, well, hip hop was, but was DJ culture even like making its way out there or was it all just kind of, how were you I mean, getting I mean, I left Fort St. John when I was 12, so that wasn't really like even a thing yeah. for me then. But there was like, a, definitely like a circle of people out in Prince Edward Island who were into DJing and then like that extends over to like, like Halifax and Moncton oh, okay. and Fredericton. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, Halifax has like a big hip hop scene. All yeah, uh, Bastards from there, and uh -huh. that's like Scratch Bastard. Yeah, there's a lot of Halifax history for sure. Isn't it like Buck sixty five and like six two or something or something? Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't confirm. Yeah, you can't <laughs> confirm nor deny uh, yeah. the the backpack rapper Buck sixty five. So then, kind of being in less traditional cities, that kind of like shaped your outlook on DJing. Or? Yeah. So when I was in university and like I was actually trying to make this DJ thing work uh, after I like bought turntables and I started like using Serato a bunch and getting better at that whole thing. I'm getting better at like just like club DJing in general instead of just like playing blog house for like a small bar of people. <laughs> I kind of lucked out because it's like a small DJ community. So there was only a handful of people to really like really pick from it, especially like in my age group at that time. So you have guys like the Team Canada guys and like any of the A-team dudes like Headspin and Pump or whatever. So they come through and then I would usually get to open up for them. So I kind of got to meet those guys when I was in university and like Bassett would be in there like three times a year kind of thing. So I got really lucky to be able to not only watch these guys do their thing as like a young DJ, like this was like Canada's cream of the crop type thing. Yeah, and they're, they're still, they're still like yeah. all nasty. They're all like, they've everyone there has done very well for themselves. Yeah, <laughs> but I got to like have that like little stage of like, being on the bill or doing things before them kind of thing. So was it a sense of mentorship a little bit or is it more just inspiration? Totally. I'm Bass has always been like that guy I can like 
reached out to. And that was like a relationship that's like, I totally tried to always capitalize on. It's like, he's just like a book of knowledge kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, yeah, it's really important. Like, I mean, I think that's, I was asking because we talked about the idea of mentorship on this show and I think it's super important because I wouldn't be where I'm at because I've been lucky of having, you know, older DJs like hook me up and look out for me and give me a chance. Yeah. Just like having that attitude of being willing to uh, help out the younger generation without being like that dude who's just like, oh, stupid young kids kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think because for me, I've gotten it both ways. I've been totally hated on by the older crop, but also like really helped out and bigged up by the older crop. So I'm personally very sensitive to making sure like welcoming young DJ. If there's talent, like always try to foster that and encourage that and support it and things like that. So did you get like any kind of pushback when you were DJing from older DJs or is it all pretty much, it was all good? I'm sure there was, but like, (laughs) I don't, make an effort to remember any of that. Yeah, that's good. You're, <laughs> you, that's why you're a very well-adjusted person. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, that's why you don't have a therapist. So there you go. Good for you. Um, and we were talking about the Scratch Bass and I asked this earlier, like this whole friendship thing. I always ask, I wonder about it. Like DJing and friendship is always a funny thing because we don't have like coworkers. We don't work in an office like you, yeah. like you used to. We don't, um, so we don't have like the traditional kind of work buddies. Um, how's it for you in terms of uh, this kind of having friends in music? I try to like stay home and, do shit all day so it's like it's a lot of just like text messages and the odd phone call kind of thing sending each other memes <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> real office talk real yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're having an important meeting right now we're, yeah. sh- we're sharing a serato video um yeah that actually it really is fucking work so yeah i mean not not in a bad way but yeah that's our equivalent of tps reports or whatever stuff like that i like to think most of the people that listen have an idea what the jelly jeff play this retreat is but since you've been there and i've never asked any of the guests on the show tell us a little bit about it and yeah what was that email like what was that phone call like and you went this is your first time last year right? yeah first time i've sent jeff things for a while now but he it was like four months before it like actually happened he was like thanks man like come to the retreat this summer and that was it it was just like uh (laughs) all right this is very anticlimactic cool uh-huh. Just like kept sending shit and then like a month or two before got like a real email. It's like, oh, fuck, this is like happening. It was like the beginning of August. We were out there and I got uh, lucky enough to get flown out a day early before like everybody else kind of got there. And that's so, when you, uh, <laughs> you yeah. did the so like, Google search. Kind of got to have like some more one-on-one time to just like talk and just chill. tell stories and yeah, just pinch myself be like, Yo, I'm in like Jazzy Jeff's front room here having to talk with him. Yeah, yeah. So when you read that email, like official email, were you like, were you flipping out or you were just like, uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of figured it might happen, but I just like didn't know when. But it was still like, hell yeah. yeah. This is sick. Yeah. Or you're like, you check it every day, like you're checking email every day. Like, oh, did it come yet? Did it come yet? It's, you know. I didn't even think about it, to be honest. Yeah. It was just like when it came, it was like, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice, dude. So, uh, all right. So that you, you know, it's a personal invite from Jazzy Jeff and it's kind of like, I guess like cream of the crop of DJs, producers, there's some musicians and singers or bit of everything, bit of everything. Yeah. Everybody shows up around like the same kind of window of time. And then the first day is just kind of like meet and greet. Basically, you just hang out and have some food, some drinks and chop it up with people and a lot of new faces and a lot of name learning, which I'm yeah. not great at always. <laughs> I'm Patrick, by the way. Just yeah. <laughs> just, and that's John. Yeah, the first night I was like ready to pass out at like 2 a.m. And I was like walking to my trailer and Zimmy like grabs me. He's like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to bed. And he's like, dude, Questlove's in the drum room, like drumming and fucking Stro Elliott is like freestyling a guitar solo on an APC 40 or whatever his thing yeah. is. 
So it's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> two hours later. <laughs> it's like, you just like, just, you just casually walk in and see, like sit in on people's sessions. And, and it's like James Poyser, who's like an amazing pianist in Questlove. Yeah. And, and I think I've seen J. Cole there or something like really crazy he, shit. Yeah. He was there, I guess a week before playlist, oh. just like recording shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one knows who's going, right? Or how does that work? I knew of like a couple people who were going, but like for yeah. the most part, no, I didn't really like, yeah. Cause you're supposed to keep it a secret. So. Well, you can't be on social media, but you can't like share anything that like shows that you're there until like it's time to go home kind of thing. Okay. And then the spirit through the whole week is, is it, is it, was it everyone just trying to outdo each other or collaborate or it's, it's what is it? definitely like working together, collaboration. There's definitely like no downtime for like the main three days. They'll have like, I guess like an agenda of activities that are going on. So there's always something to do, whether it's like a seminar or like working on like the actual main challenge kind of thing. They had Gene Brown set up downstairs. You could like go dig and oh, Gene Brown, very like celebrity. Like not he's a record seller, but he's like a yeah. mini celebrity. He's sold back records for like yeah. amazing. So Jeff producer. had him in like one of the basements there, and and you so, just nerd out. When you, yeah, and then there's like all these other product companies there. So like I did a video for Serato, like in the mix thing. So yeah, there's so much to do. Yeah, the whole time that you're there, you're just kind of like in this surreal kind of state, or are you just like are you pretty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like you'll have a conversation with someone and then you'll just like go to the next person and be like, <laughs> there's another conversation and just like trying to meet people. And I needed like two or three weeks there and not like four days kind of thing. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So like when you came back, what was like the more prominent feelings you had when you're coming back from the retreat? Were you just tired like, or just or inspired or what? Tired, but yeah, like ready to like work more and just put to use like all the new relationships you make and start new projects with new people and try to get to that house, the basement yeah. <laughs> in the countryside, like yeah. chip an inch yeah, away yeah. to that, that, that goal little by little, little by For little. Real. No, that's real, dude. And then we were talking about earlier and uh, as a Canadian artist traveling to America, it's a little complicated, I, I feel. I mean, I kind of like went under the radar for a little bit when I was just kind of like doing one or two things here or there. But like uh, starting, I think it was this January, I got like a real visa. I got a P2 permit and it's like not really that hard. Like the hardest thing is just getting someone to sign a contract for like a date that's like five months ahead kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That does take a lot of, a lot of finessing, a lot of. Yeah. And like, it's not like I'm selling hard coffee tickets or anything, but it's just like booking a nightclub like six months in advance isn't usually something that like a typical bar would do. Yeah. For the most part, unless yeah. you're booking like a big headline or so. Mm -hmm. But yeah, basically the idea is just to like try and land some venues where you can do like something every three or four months. And like, cause I can only get my visa for as long as I book. I kind of messed that up the first time. I just thought like I would get like a flat year or two years or something. And I only had like two and a half months booked. So I bought a visa for two and a half months. It's like not like insanely expensive, but it's just like now I got to reapply and spend more money to get another one. So I was a little bit smarter the second time around. So yeah, and then you have to kind of plan ahead, book places. Yeah. And so does that kind of make you like work a little harder trying to find club dates or yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's also why I'm trying to like be on the internet a bunch and like get my name into people's computers because like I said, I'm not selling hard copy tickets. So like I got to have some kind of leverage for myself. Yeah. So like that's why I'm trying to keep making things all the time. Yeah. These edits are your calling card, like a flyer basically. And sort of. Yeah. I, th I think that's how we kind yeah. of, we got on each other's radars because, you know, we making edits and just sending yeah. each other stuff back. I'm not going to like get booked doing shit that like craze is doing. So I need to have some other kind of ammo in my Your own back pocket. Yeah. But then was that, is that a, an intentional thing or that just is kind of how it's been shaping? Yeah. I've just like, I don't have that kind of time to 
spend like 10 hours a day, like practicing DJ routines, still practice DJing, but like I'm trying to spend 10 hours in Ableton versus 10 hours on, on my turntables. So. Oh, okay. So since you're doing edits, where do you see your music kind of going after that? Like, where do you want to go next? Always trying to make like original stuff, trying to just like keep stepping the game up a bit and getting more creative with things. Cause like the cut and paste thing is pretty easy. It's just like not something I feel that can like put me up the next level. So I'm working with like, like we got a song. Yeah, we do. We finished it too. <laughs> I'm like, so I, yeah, it came out very good. Uh, and like, I don't say so myself. I <laughs> yeah. uh, did a project with my buddy, Adam W. We did a house project and then I've got this things with DJ pump coming out and got a thing with scratch bastard. That's been in the pipe for like a year. We just, uh-huh. put it out so more original music and you, is it always going to be kind of dj centric music or do you see yourself one day like picking up a guitar and learning yeah. that and i don't know i like i'm just trying to make music i think is useful and dope for like djing still like i'm not really in that mode of like trying to make like a pop hit so mm-hmm. so you're okay with your music just pretty much being consumed by djs you're kind of okay yeah with that. i mean right now that's kind of like what's fueling my fire so unless that changes but Adam's been like a great guy to work with. He's kind of got a little more of like the keyboard chops and stuff. So I try to like focus more on like mixing and sound design side and yeah, the technical, shape. more technical things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, that's why it kind of works well with, with Adam's because we kind of have like a, like a contrast in like what we can do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an issue of strength and weaknesses in a contrast. Like Adam's good at piano playing or keyboard playing, like you said, and you're better at the technicalist part and totally. assembling the nuts and bolts and all that yeah. stuff. I'll just tell Adam, be like, write something with this sample or like, don't worry about what, what the sound is. Mm-hmm. Just like use the stock sound or whatever. And then we'll like go from there. So oh, okay. we'll start with like a melody or he'll like play some chords or something. And then we'll just like kind of build off that, create some ideas. And do you do this in person with each other? Or uh, we have, but a lot of time it's just like trading sessions okay. kind of thing. Do you sense that you're like missing something because you're not in the room with that person or is it all? Mm, not really because I've known Adam for like ever. Okay. But also like we have had that like time where we've been in the same space at once and did like 70% of that house EP in like three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess we are like technically more productive. We're in the same room, but like. He's in Banff right now, and I'm out in Vancouver, so. Yeah, that does kind of put a limitation. Yeah, I think that's a, a good question to ask because right now in the age of the internet is that, yeah, like I've done songs and, you know, EPs with people, and we've never been in the same city at the same time. And Totally. So, yeah, and so when you came over yesterday and worked on the track that we did, I think you being in the room for me, like, made it a lot easier as opposed to, because we kind of got to, like, you know, yeah, like, I'll move it back or uh, four more bars, eight bars. So. Yeah, there's there's no, like just like texting or email threads or yeah. it's just like <laughs> you're there. Yeah. I was like, I'll get to this like in two days, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was kind of the case. So, oh yeah. Cause you gave me the sample and I was like, ah, I can't think of anything. And then all of a sudden I lucked out and yeah, what we had kind of made sense with each other. So yeah, I think I was talking about earlier about the whole, like your fans being just DJs. I think that's kind of what's happening to me as well. And I don't know I'm at to the point where it's like, I'm just glad that I, people are even listening and I can yeah. make a living doing this. And yeah, I guess what you said has been helpful because uh, I want to keep like feeling that fire as opposed to like being all bummed out, like, oh, like average people don't know who I am. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like there's some edits or remixes I'll do that definitely get attention of like not DJ people, which yeah. I'm always like really stoked about. Uh-huh. It's just like, whoa, 
it's not a DJ. Yeah, 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 exactly. Is it, was that, uh, does that kind of happen with like the Redbone uh, remix you made or? Yeah, that, that was like the, like the biggest one. And then there'll be like other things where just like see people share it or whatever. And I can tell that like, they're not a DJ. Yeah. Thing. It's just like, Oh, they're not trying to build fam. A, norm, yeah. <laughs> a normal person. Yeah. So how, how, listen to it. how did you measure that metric? Was it, did you just go by plays or just kind of, uh, I mean, Jeez, yeah, just kind of funny. Cause like I'll spend like two weeks on or three weeks on for like a remix and it'll do like shit all. And then like that edit took like 30 minutes. It was like 2 AM uh-huh. on like a weeknight. You mean, are and, you talking about the Redbone edit? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And then by the next morning, it already got like mad traction. Like, so you went to bed, and when time you wake up, it had like thousands of plays already. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, dude, that's that's pretty hard, dude. Yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, it just started getting plays in cool places, and a bunch of YouTube outlets posted on their pages, and it was getting who was some, oh yes, uh, Spider, he was playing some corporate thing in L.A. and the guy that wrote it, uh, Goron, Donald Glover. You mean? No, 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 no. no. The, the guy who produced it. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh man, I, I can never remember his name. Anyways, he was there and like heard it and like came over and like so he's like heard it. That was cool. That that, that doesn't do anything for like anything, but, but it's just he, like oh, he gave like the nod of approval on the on the remix. I guess, yeah. Oh, let's let's spin it like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Donald sure. Glover's Comey sure. co-signed my yeah. my Donald Glover <laughs> remix. So. Therefore, yeah. yes. And then um, you know, then you pressed it on 45. You did kind of the entrepreneur thing. Yeah, so it like was gone in a week. And then I like paid for my wedding with it. Dude. Which yeah. was pretty tight. Yeah, that's fucking, <laughs> that's fucking very so, tight, dude. Thank you. Yeah, so off a, again, off a, you know, I get the white label edit. You made press on seven, be able to pay for your wedding. Yeah. That's probably one of the most. Not everything, ma- but like. A, a good, a, yeah. A good chunk. Yeah. For sure. It was definitely an ice swan at the wedding now, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it big. And uh, yeah, people keep hitting me up, but there is a repress coming. So okay. don't pay. Like, it's, I think it's at 130 bucks on Discogs. So, Damn, for real? So you can you can chill. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, if, if something goes wrong and I lose everything, I know one of the first records I'll sell. No offense, <laughs> Nick, but daddy got to eat. Um, so was your wife like totally just like, like oh my God. Was she, did she kind of take it like to heart? Like, oh, wow, my husband's amazing talent is up. <laughs> Or is it just kind of like okay, good? Like, or how did, how was your action? She's gonna laugh when she hears that. <laughs> my my husband's amazing talent. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think I I should ask more importantly. Like, uh, she's pretty supportive and, and enthusiastic about your DJ stuff. Or? Yeah, totally. Okay. And when you met, was that you know was she like that from the start? It's a different job, so it, like she got, had to get used to like me coming home at like two, three a.m. some nights and like taking the couch and not sleeping in the bed kind of thing. Because like she's got to get up early, so like I'm not trying to wake anyone up or anything like that. So. Yeah, but that was really, beside that. That was like the only kind of adjustment you kind of had to have in relationship. Yeah, it was like small things in between, but like just mostly like the work schedule kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great, dude. But yeah, it, yeah, it's worked out nicely. Uh-huh. I do stuff at home during the day and. I like to cook and stuff, so I do all that at home. And so when she comes, it's like Nick, not bike, but Nick. Yes, my husband, my my wonderful, amazing, talented husband. Yes, <laughs> that sells seven inches to pay, <laughs> help pay for our wedding. <laughs> so uh, usually, uh, towards the end of the podcast, I always ask this: kind of talk about music, you know, specific music stuff. So let's say you're going to you got to get hyped. You're gonna go play some basketball against. You're gonna dunk on somebody and you get hyped. What is one song you put on to get you in the zone? Oh, jeez. Maybe I'd have to go back to my like grade eight warm up tape. 
Uh-huh. Oh, you had a warm-up tape? Most of the time, I always made the warm-up tapes for our team. Oh, so you're already kind of DJing. Before. In a way, yeah, you're selecting songs. There was always lots of J5 on there. <laughs> Bunch of Jay-Z. J5 and Jay-Z is yeah. what would get you hyped before you go play basketball. Yeah. What specific Jay-Z song? I definitely remember So Ghetto being on there. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just picture like young Nick, like hella, like yeah. feeling so ghetto before you go play basketball. Getting like the edited version, nonetheless. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're you're a clean cut boy, according to Dick Vivian yesterday. I'm, you're the most oh, clean cut God. person I brought into yeah. a record store. Uh, so then, what about J? What was the J Five song? Oh, uh, in the house. Okay, yeah, easily. I love it's this. Like, this like is so funny. The Granger sample. Yeah, this is great. I just picture, yeah, you getting high playing Jurassic 5. That's, that's, that's so Nick Bike. It's so on brand. I love it. Uh, anything you want to add or where can people find you? Where, what can they expect from you next? Find me on the internet at DJ Nick Bike everywhere. DJNickBike.com. You can sign up for my email list, which I'll be sending more stuff out soon. Just been kind of like hogging shit for this, these U.S. things in November here. So, but there's things coming. Tune with you. Tunes with Adam. We got like 20 demos to finish someday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, me and Pump got a three tracker coming out in the next couple weeks uh-huh. for the club. And then maybe a Jurassic 5 tribute set. A Jurassic 5 Jay-Z <laughs> mashup Jesus tape. Christ. <laughs> Anything's possible, man. Cool. Anything's very possible. <laughs> yeah, right now, man. All right. Well, cool, dude. Well, thank you so much for coming by. We're going to go, what, do another party now? Yeah, Motown on Mondays. Yeah, probably not drink wine. Uh, we've been drinking a lot these past few days. I might have wine. All right, speak for, speak for yourself, man. All right, thank you, Nick Bike. Hey. Coming through Opening Set Podcast. You rock, man. Appreciate it, Dougie. Yes, thank you. Yeah.